Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I'm here with Jacob Licklider. Sup. And today, because he's the only person I know who has read the entirety of the VNAs, we're talking about the Cat's Cradle arc. This being, of course, Cat's Cradle Times Crucible, Cat's Cradle Warhead, and Cat's Cradle Witchmark in the Virgin New Adventures. This should be an interesting discussion, um, because overall I think Cat's Cradle as an arc while not as strong of an arc as Time Worm, has overall better stories than Time Worm, bar one. So. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, like, overall, like, I... Well, okay, that's, that's more something to talk about when we're talking about the books themselves. All right. So, of course, uh, spoilers. I mean, I don't really feel like anyone's really interested in watching VNA videos unless they've read the books or are just, or just want to know what happens in them. So, spoilers, of course. And I guess let's jump right into our first one. Cat's Cradle Times Crucible by Mark Platt. Opening thoughts? Um, I love how trippy this one is. This is... Um, it it's, comes right after Time Worm Revelation, obviously. Um when you're reading them in order. Um, it's a very different kind of trippy. Like, Time Worm Revelation was very mind-robbery, sort of let's, let's, let's mind-fuck everybody, whereas Cat's Cradle Time Crucible is let's play around with time travel and what, play one around might, with characters. One might even compare it to Mark Platt's major who worked before this, Ghostlight. It's, it's trippy like that. So I could see why that would put a lot of people off of, off of the trippiness of the book. Yeah. Um, I'd also say it's, it's the first time in the VNAs where we actually get some um, really fun Gallifreyan history. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would I would say that's the most interesting thing about the book is is it's delve into Gallifreyan history. It's it's sort of it's sort of it, Platt here sort of sets out a mission statement that like they obviously weren't gonna they weren't gonna let him start just his first novel. They weren't gonna let him write Long Barrow for the novels for the novels like yeah, right yeah. off the bat. But this but this book is very much written as a Lung Barrow prequel. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it it really works at it. Um it, it establishes a lot of early Gallifrey history. It hints at things that will be incredibly relevant in Lung Barrow over like what, fifty five books down the line. Um, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's really strangely far in advance for for a book that will hold all all but no relevance up until Lung Barrow actually happens. And you know what? I kind of got to agree with most people that that are put off by its trippiness. I don't completely hate it, but yeah, it just seems like it's kind of convoluted for the sake of being a Mark, a Mark Platt story. I'd argue part of it, you can really tell that this was meant to be a TV story. Um, like, there's there's a lot here that feels like it was meant to be done on television. Oh, the process is so a, a TV character. Yeah, which, you know, honestly, isn't... If, even for the VNAs, uh, isn't a bad thing, especially this early on. Uh, yeah, yeah, to still have them have that semblance of classic Who within them, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Because I say it feels experimental enough that it's like, I mean, there's obviously a reason this wasn't put on TV because it's so weird and trippy. And well, you know what's weird is I can't imagine a lot of this story without the Gallifreyan stuff. But that's what Cat's Cradle was originally as a TV story. Is it was everything but the Gallifreyan. The Gallifreyan, yeah, yeah. And it's so weird because 
that's that's my draw to this story. I can't imagine liking this story very much on TV other than maybe a poorly realized version of the process battling Cullen Baker and Bonnie Langford. Like, it's it's interesting because it was originally pitched as a Six Doctor story, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah no, there's artwork of it as a Six Doctor story. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I can't, um, see, I can't see myself enjoying this, this book as much without the Gallifreyan stuff. I really like all the Time Lord characters, or all the Gallif- the Cronaut characters, the... Yeah, the uh, Faisals. Yeah, the, the, pseudo, the pseudo-Gallifreyans. Um, I like the... the pseudo-Time Lords. I like a couple of them in particular. I don't like the entire team, because I think there's, like, one too many crew members that some of them start to feel the same eventually. But obviously, Shanzi, Vale, and Peccary stand yeah. out to me the most. Peccary, I, I love. He's He's a strong leader. I think Platt was trying to do some real symbolism with them, with like all six of them. Um, as in, but, uh, just sort of as like they all have a function in piloting uh, the Faisal. Um, yeah, the that, maybe, is maybe supposed to reflect their personality. But I think that just one um, in writing the book isn't. It's not one of the longer books. It's. It's not short by any means. It's, what, 256 pages, I believe? Something like that, yeah. Um, he doesn't... Mark Platt doesn't give a, enough time to flesh out all the crew members. Um, yeah, definitely. I think he thought about it a bit too logically, if that makes sense. He's like, oh yeah, there should be this many crew members to cover all of these aspects of, um, of, of piloting the timescape. Mm-hmm. And... It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, but also, like, there are a bit too many personalities for me to get attached to in this only 250-page book. Uh, and plus. still th- and still throw in all the Gallifrey and stuff, still have Rassilon and the other and the Pythia, uh, along with Ace's character development in this. She gets she gets a good bit of character development being on her own for so long without the Doctor. Um, you have the really fun Doctor plot with, uh, with Wilby, Wilby the Doctor. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that, that's an interesting point. What do you think of the uh, the lack of the doctrines in this book? I think it actually works really well. Um, I, I think uh, it, it strikes a nice balance of the doctor being there and the doctor not being there. If that makes if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because we, we get a couple of fakeouts after he leaves Ace and the TARDIS alone. You know, before the TARDIS explodes and all that. Um, and we get a couple fake-outs in between there before we actually find the Doctor again. Um, specifically, I think, to the one with the, uh, the clock on his face. Um, and I do think it works. Like I, I like Ace being on her own. Um, Ace be- However, it's kind of weird to have so many Ace-centric books in a row, with Apocalypse being very centered around Ace's relationship with Raphael, and Revelation being basically all about Ace's analyzing Ace's relationship with the Doctor, and now another one focused on Ace. I do think that's a bit weird if you're reading them yeah. chronologically. But and I think part of that is there's most definitely a lack um, a lack of communication between the writers of the VNAs or this early on. Oh, definitely. Because um, mind you, uh, what the VNAs were initially commissioned in like 1990. They started publishing late 1991, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this one, this book, this was published what 92, I think. Yeah, early like, 92 like it was here right i, I want to look up the dates they were published um, um but it was it was like early to mid 92 if i'm not mistaken and we are still so we're still 
pre-internet age, like... Let alone the fact that, like, how in, in what world will new writer Paul Cornell have Terrence Dix's number, you know? Yeah, like, I know, I know... I'm okay, so all yeah, so all of Time War was released in ninety one, and then this was February of ninety two. Yeah, because then, because um, they were still doing bi monthly at that point, and they only started doing monthly in ninety three. Yeah, uh, what's what I think is incredibly interesting is that with, um, like, you have like nineteen ninety two. Like, we have a bunch of writers who are basically trying to write these stories a, li- a pretty limited scope so far. Like, this is, this is, Mark Platt is the fifth writer to contribute a book. Um, it's not like, this is, um, this is his, you know, fit, it's his first real novel attempt. Like, uh, you can see the lack of communication. Um, I mean, well, yeah, because, just, I mean... While some of the things talked about in this book will set up some major themes for the VNA, specifically towards the end when we do get closer to Lung Barrow, while it does set up those, it mostly does it accidentally. It's it's not. I think it really. It's really only. um, I hate to say it. I think it's the the real themes here really only start to get picked up, like five or six books down the line when Love and War brings in Benny and the VNAs really get cohesive and you get a decent group of people together if that makes sense yeah but we don't get another solid time lord story until shit i can't even think of when what theater of war then i guess theater of i guess oh no sorry sorry no no future yeah i I guess yeah no future kind of does it again it's but it's a lot of things that it starts things that just sort of simmer in the background yeah exactly Um, which is so, yeah, so, so you're right. You can see the lack of communication. But that being said, Mark Platt's a solid writer. He knows how to write. Um, his, his I haven't read his Ghostlight novelization, but I've read his Battlefield novelization, both of which came out before this. And he's really solid. He he really knows how to how to grip how to how to grip a reader. And he his the amount of detail he throws into his books is absolutely insane. Um, which is one thing that I really like about this is is Mark Platt's style. Oh yeah, there is, there is most definitely like just real style, and it's a shame. He only really, um, he only wrote three ver- books for Virgin. He wrote Times Crucible, uh, then he wrote uh, Long Barrow, and then Downtime for the VMAs. Oh yeah, uh, and even then, like Downtime had nothing to do with his other two novels. It was yeah. it was a tie in to the to the BBV video. Yeah, it was a novelization. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it's that, which is weird. There were only what two of those in 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 the VMAs, and there was one of those in the VNAs. Yeah, Shakedown. But even then, as as far as I understand, at least Shakedown is the only one that like drastically differs from. Yeah, that's the, the one that it expands it. Like the novelization portion is like a third of the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, also, I want to talk about uh, the Pythia, who I love as a villain. I think she's so cool. She is perfect. Um, I love one. She sets herself up as this godlike figure, and then doesn't appear again. Uh, she only appears in this book uh, as a character, um, and even then, that's only in the stuff outside of the sort of. Um, 
outside of the main we, plot the main it's, it's outside of the main plot outside of the sort of the entire story kind of takes place outside of reality yeah i mean we know the pythia has some sort of hold over veil but she wants to use veil just as a as a uh, as a way to extend her power and so, so it's a very loose connection. It's like we know that she wants to use Vale to be this immortal ruler, but yeah, we don't exactly know how either. The, the, the Pythia is the, the Pythia's entire draw as a character is her rivalry with Rassilon and just her personality. I really love the the, the sort of cauldron which character she is because um, I do love the Sisterhood of Carnes uh, from Brain of Morbius, which is which the Pythia is of course the beginning of. Uh, which I love. Also, Rassilon's story in this I adore. I I, I just love all the ancient Gallifrey stuff. Uh, Rassilon, you know, because um, of course, spoilers, I guess, uh, at the end of the story, uh, the Pythia dooms all, all of Gallifrey uh, with infertility, and this, of course, means that uh, that Rassilon's wife loses her child uh, that she's already pregnant with, and Rassilon is totally broken by this. Um, and you see a different side of Rassilon here. Yes, I um, love I love sympathetic Rassilon. He's so great. He still is like benevolent ruler when he's when he's monologuing with the Pythia, but. Yeah, I just love sympathetic Rassilon. Whenever you see him outside of that, when he's when he's with his friends, you know, um, the person not exactly named as the other in this, but still definitely is the other. It's um, meant to be the other. Um, again, the the other as it was only named as a character, I think, much later on and in fan circles, uh, and I, I guess maybe in some of the novelizations. Well, the other was the other was in the Remembrance novelization. Right. That, yeah. was, that was where so, that was where the name that was where the name was first born. But really, Ben Aronovich in that novel used it as a way to describe the other Time Lord who was with Rassilon and Omega, yeah. and fans just adopted that term, the other, to describe his character. Yeah, which um, sort of feels very he's like a Time Lord with no name, um, which yeah, which is cool. I mean, I love which, that. Uh, outside of you know that stupid. Uh, Titans comics alternate reality that I've had canon as alternate reality that is for whatever reason believes the other is the 11th doctor wrong anyway <laughs> um, so yeah uh, anything else we want to cover with this book um, uh, let's see um, I love just I- I'd say give it a show a shot uh, it's a pretty easy book to find cheap like yeah yeah um, don't don't pay too much for this one. Some there's a trend of people trying to sell early VNAs for like at crazy prices, where it's like, yeah. and no, I, these, and, these had the most. I, I mean, and I the most printings. Yeah, and I have the first thirty VNAs, and I got them all below thirty bucks. You know, yeah. I, I've never, I've never paid more than I think twenty five. You know, uh, it's they're nothing too rare um i think i'm only just starting to enter in as far as my collection i think i'm only just starting yeah. to enter the more expensive ones because because millennial rights i remember i had to look i had to look especially hard for it. i was like oh that's that's a bit difficult <laughs> um because i'm also collecting the vmas alongside my vnas but yeah um, anyway uh but that being said uh i uh, rating out of 10 for cat's cradle times crucible probably a seven um, I want to say a seven, but uh, part part of me wants to say like six point five, 
I, I don't love it. I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, it's 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 just got that same problem that Ghost Light does. I mean, I love Ghost Light too, but it's yeah, it's just kind of convoluted uh, for the sake. Should, of should we also should we also give ourselves a little plug? Well, I mean, yeah, ex- I guess why not? Because like, um, the, the, um, so, so um. By the time this comes out, uh, we'll already have this story, uh, Times Crucible, cast. Uh, the the casting call will have already been out. Uh, the cast announcement will, uh, will already have been out. We're recording this before any of that happens, so we have no clue who anyone's playing. I mean, other than the ones we already have cast. But yeah, that's that's all we know at this point. Um, but it's but it is really exciting. We're we're starting a new arc in our in our novel adaptations and. That arc is obviously the Cat's Cradle arc, and, and we're both excited, super excited for you to see it because it's it's going to be a fun one to do. Oh, it's going to be insane! <laughs> it's just a crazy, convoluted story that I don't even know how the hell I'm going to sound design. <laughs> but here we are. Anyway, uh, so I guess let's move on now to Cat's Cradle Warhead by Andrew Cartmel. Um, opening thoughts? Um, once, uh, once again, this is uh, great. Um, I think it's a great... First, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's overall a great character piece. I think uh, it... The story as a whole is gritty in its tone, but what it does best is it not only it does another great thing for Ace. It's another Ace-centric book. Go figure. Yeah. Um, if 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 I may, um, this is where you first. This is the book where you first start to see the problem with the Cat's Cradle books as an arc. Yeah, because is that what, the what, arc what, is essentially non-existent. Yeah, while the, while Times Crucible very much sets up the arc exactly as 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 one would want it the the ending is unfortunately tacked on uh of times crucible that is you know it's just kind of like oh yeah the tardis is now infected what are we going to do about that i don't know let's let's take another two books and find out and we don't really find out here uh nor we do we, fi- we don't nor really do we... find out we don't really find out until book 13 of the vmas yeah it this like just... oh, like God. and only then because i think that book was peter Drevel evans really trying to wrap up some loose ends and get us onto a path. Yeah. Um, like, the cat shows up here. Um, a couple I'm, times. I'm also going to say it. This is probably the best book of the, of the trilogy. Oh, most. I, I don't oh, think God, either yeah. of us oh, can uh, deny it. Uh, Andrew Cartmel um, is excellent. Uh, he's, uh, he, he has very different prose to... He has a very different way of writing prose than Mark Platt does. Um, he's he's almost more brutal in that way. Um, oh yeah, I, and I, well, I, uh, where Platts Times Crucible had the problem of not getting into the characters' heads, the supporting characters' heads as well. Um, Cartmel shows just how it can be done. Uh, every supporting character, even the ones that show up for like a scene, they have their own extensive backstory. Yeah, um, well, a lot of people may say that's like a detriment and like sort of like, uh, like a Tolkien fall to, uh, downfall of him. But it's I, I think it works. Mind you, because... mind you, mind you, Joey, you have me on the podcast, Jacob. I read a bunch of epic fantasy, Licklider. Jacob, yeah. 
I've been reading The Wheel of Time, Licklider. Jacob, I'm nearly done with The Dark Tower, and I'm reading, gonna, after that, going to be reading two giant other Stephen King books, Licklider. J- J- Jacob has only just finished reading Lord of the Rings for the first time in his life, Licklider. Yeah, actually, I, I will <laughs> I will be very sad. I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. But anyway... Uh... So, but I do, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I do like the extensive backgrounds of each of these characters because Doctor Who, as a whole, has a, has a pretty general problem with capture with getting us to 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 vividly remember each supporting character that that is brought into the fray because we forget because they're gone just as quick as they come in. You know, but most supporting characters by the time the story is over, we never see them again. So. I think it works in that respect. Uh, you know, Carl uh, delving so deeply into one of these the supporting most emotionally characters. touching moments in this book. I don't want to spoil it. It's the scene with the doctor and the cleaner. That's like at the beginning of the book. You can talk yeah, about I, it. I still don't want to spoil it because it's a really good gut punch. Um, <sighs> okay, fine. It's like about <laughs> her life. Like, um, there's there's a nice subtle commentary on sort of the effect the doctor has on people. Um, yeah, I, I actually I want to bring up. I think I brought it up in the time of discussion too. I want to bring up uh, a point made in Paparina's Crossing the Wilderness series um, that he calls the Doctor uh, in Cast Cradle Warhead an angel of death. Almost everyone he visits has something horrible happen to them, or they just straight up die. And I kind of love that portrayal of the Seventh Doctor. I love that way of describing him because it really is. I, I personally, for me at least, uh, who the Seventh Doctor is and should be as a whole. Um, Carmel had this very unique idea for McCoy's Doctor, and this is that vision fully realized. But I'd even argue, even as the Angel of Death, he still inspires people to try to be better. Um, in a in a in a rebellious way, yeah. If if you're if you're referring to the to the kid at the beginning, yeah. So. I mean... Uh, it's it's not like a hey here's to a brighter future. It's like no, you have to do your part. I'm giving you hope, but you still need to take it into your own hands. I I can't fix everything, um, mm. and this also this sets up Cartmill's trilogy of DNAs, uh, which uh, I know Joey hasn't read yet. He's uh, you're you're I'm, about. My- I'm, Five I'm or almost six on, VNAs there away. I think. I, I'm almost. I'm almost on Warlock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, from my, ne- my next. My next. Yeah. My next VNA is uh, Saint Anthony's Fire. So it's that falls the shadow, Parasite, and then Warlock. Yeah. So you you you've got you, you're you're going to be there, but it. Uh, this book, sets some things up, uh, sets some important things up. I I love what it does with Ace. Um, it makes oh yeah. Ace, it sort of foreshadows Ace's exit in Love and War. Um, that so, so you so you won't spoil the random cleaning lady that the Doctor encounters, but you'll spoil Ace's exit in a story we're not even talking about in this exactly. video. Exactly, Jacob. Because when it comes to spoilers, I make no sense. Have you met me? <laughs> God damn it! I even say it in my, uh, you know. No, well, if you haven't seen the video, whatever, at this point, uh, I even say it in my top 20 big finish stories. It's like, everyone knows that Ace leaves in love and war. It's not a spoiler. Um, yeah. um, it, it's sort of this nice little, it's this unintentional sort of foreshadowing of what Ace will become. Um, and what could have been a really good sort of template for here's what Ace should be in from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, which then... Well, because well, Warhead, Warhead would also fit quite nicely into a new Ace story. 
it would. You know, if if there were any McCoy stories, you know, just traveling with New Ace, it would definitely uh, you could throw this like maybe I don't know between Legacy and Theater of War, at least book wise. Um, Probably. You know, in that brief Benny leaves. You know, if it were a New Ace story, that is. Yeah. But Um, uh, sorry, go on. uh, I'd also argue this is one of the. This is a Doctor Who story that is most definitely, and it's adult. Um, and it's the first one that really deals with any sort of sexual themes with any ounce of maturity. Yep. Yeah. Like. Eat your heart out, Time Worm Genesis. <laughs> overtly? Like, yeah. Time Worm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, come on. It's, it's the thing Genesis is most infamous for is its ridiculous sex yeah. scenes. Um, um, you know, this, this, like, there is. There was only one point in this where I kind of, like, laughed out loud with a more mature theme, and it was the, the sex scene of the book. Where, yeah. um, where, fuck, what are the, what are the kids' names? The two main Jasmine kids. and Vincent. That's it. Okay. Where Jasmine's about to fucking, uh, about to throttle Vincent in front of Ace. And, you know, like, Ace is about to leave. Um, and, and it's like, and it's just like as Ace leaves, she could hear, like, the squeaking of the couch. And I'm like, what the fuck? Just fucking. <laughs> also, like, the kind of, the kind of. Uh, bad implications of the ages of both of the characters. Yeah, yeah, because isn't Vincent like eleven? He's like yeah, ten. He's like ten, 10 and Jasmine's like seventeen. Ah, fucking hell! <laughs> They're both still underage. Whatever. <laughs> no, that this doesn't make it any better. Fuck it. Vincent's not the age of consent. No, he's God not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, warning: This book contains some very odd themes in places. But outside of that hiccup, and it's a big hiccup, (laughs) the adult themes are perfect. Like, you have Ace as a mercenary, which is something that Cartmel revisited, like, was probably going to include in season 27. It's it's a good idea, and it's, it's, you know, as we'll discuss later on in these VNAs, uh, VNA podcasts, it makes sense. It's a natural step for Ace's character. You know, we see that when new Ace comes in. Yeah. Um, also, I uh, I can't remember the name of the villain. Uh, what's Matthew. his name? Matthew. I don't remember his last name. Shit. I, remember. I... I want to say power or something. No, I'm wrong. I've got to be wrong. Anyway, point being, I really like him, and I like what he represents in this story. Oh, yeah, he's basically sort of represents the um, the evil corporations. Because um, mm-hmm. this is, this is, a, this is a, um, yeah, this is, uh, Matthew O'Hara is his name. That's it, O'Hara. Okay, gotcha. O'Hara, yeah. Uh, yeah. You get, you get this... Like, and his downfall is, is great to watch. Oh, yeah, I love the twist at the end, the way he's defeated. Just, like, that he thinks that he can use Vincent and Jasmine as a weapon for himself when it backfires on him. Oh, it's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. Um, this is also a book where the Seventh Doctor is more a background player. Like, he appears, but even when he appears, he's just sort of there in the background. Quietly. He ins- but, he, but he does influence the story heavily. Yeah. And you can feel his influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his... which is where that's where the, a, a lot of the best VNAs that feature light seventh Doctor go do incredibly well. Birthright. 
Birthright being the big oh, one. Oh god, Birthright's so good. I love Birthright. Um, yeah. I'll blow my little by, by the same guy who wrote Time Worm Apocalypse. Oh, God. I, like, Birthright is the thing that gave me hope in Nigel Robinson, and I was like, yes, write more! And then I found out that he didn't write any more VNAs, and I just, ugh, I got pissy. Anyway. Um, yeah. No, he's... It's interesting. Um, I'd also say that the... Uh, that all of the... Um, that, like, the Butler Institute as itself, like, we don't really get a specific date where this story is set. The idea yeah, it's just it's, it's just kind of continuously said like the near future, um, uh, and it's it's still I think it's something that's still incredibly relevant for today, because um, we have, um, you know, we have global warming, increased corporation power. Um, I feel like know. all of, I feel like all of Cartmel's influence on who is extremely relevant, you know. Like, like, um, um, and if anyone tells you Doctor Who isn't meant to be political, they're wrong. Yeah, they're actually, just... you know, actually, you know, I want to bring this up because I, I, I know we're talking about the same person. Um, I want to bring this up because I saw on Twitter. Um, first off, I want to, you know, pay my respects to the great Terrence Dix um, because, you know, because of the point I'm about to bring up. Uh, on Bolstrick's Twitter, um, he, 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 you know, he, he shared an article about Terrence Dix, you know, and just politely said, you know, he's like, this is a sad day for Doctor Who fans, you know, and everything. And somebody just replied to it with a clip from the Happiness Patrol special features of Doctor Who writers talking about how political Doctor Who should be, and, ter- and it was Terrence Dix saying that Doctor Who shouldn't be political, and it's like, okay, just because some writers don't want to write political Doctor Who stories doesn't mean that the show can't be political. Yeah. And even if even if a writer isn't trying to overtly write politics into Doctor Who, with a show and thing like Doctor Who, there's going to be some varying degree of politics in it, of a, of a political message. I mean, even back on Terrence Dix, I mean, look at Robot, the, the themes of fascism in that with the villains. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, Time Worm Exodus exists. Yeah, he, he wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's and and this is a very political novel. It's a very in-your-face political novel. Um, I'd argue it's it's something that certain doc, political Doctor Who writers like Peter Harness could learn from on how to do an overt political message in Doctor Who. Well, because uh, because writing political Doctor Who isn't just taking a political setting and saying, oh yeah, Doctor Who aliens are here too. Yeah. Um, Because I'm I'm talking to you, Zygon Invasion. Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, people are going to probably criticize both of us for saying Doctor Who is political if they, if they watch your channel, if those types of people watch your channel. I don't don't Um, want them watching my channel anyway. Come on. Um, um, But, uh, what, what Doctor Who is, is like, what you, you, it's perfectly fine, even if it's a message you agree with, a message you don't agree with. Be critical on how that message is executed. Catch yeah. Fatal Warhead is a perfect example of how you execute that message. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, definitely. I mean, look. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll bring it around to Series Eleven while we're talking about it. Um, Demons of the Punjab, a very political story, I think. Um, it's how you do it, and and it was and it was my Punjab. absolute. Currently, it is my absolute favorite 13th Doctor story. I, I think it's wonderful. Um, it's so gracefully handled. And it's a beautiful piece of piece of television as well, I think. Yeah, it's, 
it's being it's 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 being not afraid to take a stand. Yeah, and also six in, year guns. Also in that Target storybook that's being released, I'm so excited because Vinay Patel is writing a tie-in to Demons in it. Is he really? You know, I think I might he need is. to buy that Target storybook. I oh, I'm totally buying it. I'm oh so wait, excited. of course I am. Isn't like Terrence Dix's last Doctor Who work in that? Yep, it is. All right, where is it? Is it up for pre-order yet? I think so, and I also think Joy Wilkinson wrote a tie-in to Witchfinders in it. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, rating out of ten for Warhead, I um, personally say a nine. I'm gonna go eight and a half, because um, I think there are still some technical issues here, um, just as a book. I don't know. Uh, nothing. Nothing immediately springs to mind when I think of faults with this story. Uh, I think there's just a couple of minor things. Um, Oh, also, uh, I, I totally neglected to mention Shreela's at the beginning of this book, and she oh, dies. Right. She is. <laughs> she dies terribly. And, and and like I love the image of it too. She's she's uh, she's in her hospital room and, and she's dying, and the doctor is like just sitting in the corner. I imagine it like all dark and it's raining outside, and he's by candlelight or whatever. I could imagine it. it's it's wonderful. It's striking imagery, and it's the first no second scene of the book after after the doctor teaches a kid to 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 be a rebel. Yeah, and she's like. And she's genuinely quite, quite sad. Yeah, it's, I love Sh- I love Sh- I always liked Shreela in Survival. She, she's a great. Kid. I'd love to see. I love. I would love to see Andrew Cartmel. Um, I would love to see Cartmel return to Big Finish. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, because he obviously hasn't. Uh, I, 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 it would be, it would be really nice. Yeah. So, um, hey, th- this this is the end of this discussion, right? We don't need to talk no, about anything. No, no. We yeah, we don't need to talk about Dude. anything else. So, um, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, this uh, was Joey, this Joey, was a really we fun have time. To talk uh, about it. What? 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 I would talk I about what? Talk I, don't, about I, don't, it. I don't even know what you're talking about, Jacob. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, okay, go, wait, hang on, wait. Okay, so I just want to preface this with saying I've read thirty of these damn things, these VNAs, and this seventh book in the series remains to this day the worst thing I've read out of the bunch so far. <laughs> so ladies and, and gentlemen read Strange England. Ladies and gentlemen, Cat's Cradle fucking Witchmark. By Andrew Hunt. <laughs> okay. First off, let's preface our discussion. Andrew Hunt, you seem like a perfectly nice guy who does some perfectly nice things. I've heard you're a veterinarian. Good on you. You wrote a crap book. Even he knows he wrote a crap book. He he he. Okay. I what was uh, he has like he has like this he had like this Facebook talk about it. Well, um, he, I think he has a, yeah he has a Facebook page and he's talking about it. he's uh and he was he was like I wouldn't search it out and read it again. <laughs> um, you know, oh, I, I don't even think he right. likes it. Um, and as a fantasy fan, as a fantasy fan, this is a book that's supposed to not be emulating J.R.R. Tolkien. <sighs> the book is, the book feels like someone just t- t- took Lord of the Rings, added a unicorn. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, oh god. So okay, and added a little bit of Irish mythology than Tolkien initially did. Because um, yes, I only recently read Lord of the Rings. I should preface that by saying I had read Fellowship in Two Towers several times. I just could never finish it. Uh, so I'm very familiar. With Tolkien's writing style. Yes. Um, so uh, the biggest thing I want to get out of the way is easily the, the biggest thing wrong with the book as a whole, and that's the characterization of Ace. Oh, Before yeah, we even get feels... into all the, all the fantasy shit and why that doesn't work. 
Ace is just oh my god. So we were just talking about in Warhead how how far Ace has come as a character, even in Times Crucible. You know, like, we were talking about how far Ace has come as a character at this point. The VNAs ideally originally were supposed to take place immediately after the TV series. Big finishes kind of messed with that a bit, but that being said, these are supposed to take place after the TV series. Ace has had a lot of character development. She's come a really long way as a character. Even and with, even with even with the lack of communication between any of these writers. Ace. Anyone anyone who's watched any season 26 story, any you could pick any one of them. It doesn't have to be survival, it doesn't have to be Curse of Fenric. You could pick any one of them. Anything after Dragonfire even or after Remembrance, I should say. You could look at any of those and see how far Ace has come. And Andrew Hunt still manages to write Ace like she just walked onto the TARDIS. The entire, what is it, 230-page run? I, I think it's like a 235-page run. I'm not sure. Um, it felt longer. This, this is a book that has so many issues. And, oh my god, this characterization is such an issue! It, it was the biggest thing that, that stood out to me the uh, the entire book. But that being said... And this is a 256-page book. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Ah. It's 256 pages. And also, while we're talking about the page count, Andrew Hunt, you can't s- smash an entire trilogy's worth of fantasy material into that amount of pages. Oh, yeah. You it's this, it's, it's you, like you trying just, to You case. just can't. Like, there could have been... He could have started... He could have... There, this this premise could have worked. If you made an entire arc out of it, maybe. If you made an entire arc. <laughs> uh, if, the, if this was the Cat's Cradle arc and the characters were more memorable, I'd be okay with it. I mean, and yeah. really, I guess the, the, the longer runtime would make the characters more memorable. But, but that's another problem I have with it, is that the characters are just so are just recycled material. They don't really offer much to the story as a whole. They're very forgettable. It's... And it's it's really sad. Because, you know, you can get... You can get a, a really... good plot with a story like this. Yeah. And on top of it all... This is supposed to be the end of the Cat's Cradle arc, guys. Yeah, this is supposed to be the end of the Tab arc. And I hate just... to say it, there just there isn't there isn't. It's it is the cat an doesn't appear, the cat doesn't appear until the final couple pages, like, and even then, the Doctor only temporarily gets rid of the cat. Yeah, yeah, it's. This is this is a this is an arc that just you you don't I don't know if I don't want to say like hey um, you know hey this wasn't you know th- this it also feels like there wasn't much of an editor here um, yeah yeah they just kind of like let him do whatever he wanted. <laughs> But I, but I, I don't know. Uh, based off of what we know about him, he he wasn't great at like hitting, uh, at hitting deadlines. Maybe that was it. He just got it in too late, and they were like, "Well, we just got to take what we get." Yeah. This is also just let's be honest. 
this is something where the entire story just sort of it, outside of some I guess some uh like I guess there's like there are like three or four dangling plot threads. Um like there's a point where the doctor and ace are cloned. Um, oh yeah, that fucking happens. Yeah, and they murder one of the doctor's friends, which two of the doctor's friends. The doctor's they're friends no, they're no, oh yeah, those characters I like, and they get killed off like a third into the book. They get killed off a third. It's about half. It's about halfway through our adaptation of it because. Hey, hey, no, 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 no spoilers oh, for the adaptation. No. But like, and the doctor doesn't even find out. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He they, there's no mention of it. They Ace and the Doctor land. They meet with this this old married couple that the Doctor like apparently keeps coming back to the to the village to to talk to and you know and be with, and they just die and they're never mentioned again. They're, uh, Can we get a moment of silence for our sanity while talking about Cat's Cradle Witchmark? It's just, it's, it's one of those plot. it's a plot that's like, here's, here are the possible ideas I could have gone with. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and it, 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 it maybe, actually, this maybe could have been, this could have been a springboard for a series of future stories. This, this very obviously could have. But it wasn't. Well, there's Return of the Living Dad, as far as I know. Yeah, that's that. Lalu's picks. That's Kate Orman picking up one plot point. Um, uh, and there and there's deceit, <laughs> which which picks again, up. You know what what Andrew Hunt should have done with this book to begin with, which was actually well, but, end the arc. Yeah, but with Tir Tiranog could have been a great setting. Oh yeah, like there's so much mystery. You could have had. You could this could this novel could have played out like a good horror, a good old fashioned horror novel. Um, yeah, and I think I, some of the ideas that like, I, I, doc- see, I see I see more potential in the cloning plot than I do the fantasy plot. Yeah, I mean it's just it, it feels like oh we, we haven't even mentioned the two American kids that 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 oh, scene, right that, who that, um. They Could see what a unicorn or a centaur, a centaur getting lit on fire, and they get help from this. What's the name of like the 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 police? This Inspector Stevens of Inspe- a par- the paranormal division of Scotland Yard. Oh, I do like Inspector Stevens though as a character. I think he's fun. Oh yeah, there's some. There are a couple of okay things, um, but as a as a book, it needed it needed one. It needed some tender love and care. Um, I don't know. Uh, like, for, um, although for me at least, the biggest thing that could have been dropped to to help the book, like to give it more time to finish up whatever plot threads it has, I would say drop the American Kids and Inspector Stevens. As much as I like Stevens, it's it's the most loose thing in the book because I think you could have wrapped up uh, the the cloning arc and, or at least, or at least gotten or at least dropped the cloning arc like he did and at least given the doctor closure with the old married couple because yeah that's 
I don't even think in Return of the Living Dead the Doctor ever finds out. That's so fucked up. Oh my god. Oh, this book. <laughs> is not a good book. And then, okay, so apparently by the end, there's like this residual, like, demonic energy that kind of takes over the Doctor for Nightshade, and that's it. And then it stays in the TARDIS, apparently, until Peter Darver Levins conveniently writes it out in Deceit. Yeah. <sighs> but it also just doesn't get mentioned again until Deceit? Yeah. Like... <laughs> oh, God. It's... Can, we get, can, we, can we get an F in the chat, boys? I, I want to see nothing but Fs in the comments. Oh, also, Ace does ride a unicorn out of out of the fantasy realm, and that's quite cool. It's I a like cool that. image. And I know Brax loves the, fa- the unicorn character. I mean, it's cool that it's a unicorn named Bathsheba, but that's that's it. It's just it's, the the character's not interesting. So rating out of ten for Cat's Cradle Witchmark. <laughs> um, two maybe. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I'd give it a two. Um, so I guess I guess there's no point in doing a ranking because our, our thoughts on the on the arc as a whole are pretty obvious. It's Witchmark, Times Crucible, and then Warhead at the top. Oh, um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. This is it, it's so like I said, like overall though, the arc is not stronger than Time Worm because Time Worm, like even through Genesis and Apocalypse, the weak links of the arc. It's still a consistent arc. I could still see the yeah. arc within each of the four books. This is yeah, like, like the, Genesis. The, Genesis. One thing you could say is Genesis at least sets up the Time Worm as a character. Oh yeah, um, I, I like Ishtar is one of the best things about Time Worm Genesis. Um, and it, and in this, like Cat's Cradle is nothing more than a title for for the arc as a whole. It's and the, the only fact thing that there is a cat. <laughs> the cat appears more on the damn covers of the books than it does in the actual books themselves. <laughs> Oh, it's it's crazy. I it's just <sighs> But overall though, that being said, the individual stories are stronger. I think Times Crucible and Warhead are stronger than Genesis and Apocalypse. And at least in the Cat's Cradle arc, there's only one proper weak link, uh, and that's Witchmark. Witchmark is an abomination to mankind, but at least it's only one bad book in the trilogy. Yeah. I mean <sighs> Like, I mean, oh, it's hard. It, I think that's really why it, it's it's this trilogy is sort of why I think in most people's minds the VNAs start with love and war. They really get to kick off. See, but I think Time Worm is so strong as a whole. I, I think I think Time Worm really does set up the entire series quite nicely. Um, and then, of course, you know, you need Warhead later on for when you get to the, to the other two Andrew Cartmel books. Yeah. And also Nightshade's good. I think Nightshade's really good. But the, but more on that next time. Um, 
so if you've read these books of course uh, tell us what your thoughts are in the comments um tell us tell us what you think i think i think for the most part the thoughts on this trilogy as a whole are unanimous i could see someone liking times crucible more than warhead though depending on your tastes um yeah and uh oh we haven't even okay uh time for shilling yay my favorite part um uh jacob of course you know, go subscribe to his channel uh he does he does a really cool series called uh, the ultimate doctor who marathon where he insanely I'm, I'm, tries to when watch... this gets out when this gets out we should be uh this is this is coming out soonish uh no no be... coming out towards the end of the month yes yeah, so um, we should be um i should be in, in the middle of series six of the fourth doctor adventures or even starting season 18 Yay! Almost done with Tom. I'm, I, I, but you I, have I, to sit through season eighteen, so <laughs> I don't hate season eighteen. Is the thing season eighteen can fuck off. <laughs> I I hate the fir- I don't necessarily love the first two stories, but once we get to the East Space trilogy, hello. Okay, but what? <laughs> I like the East Space trilogy. Shut up! No, fuck. State of Decay is good, and so full, is full circle. circle. Full circle's passable. Though, yeah, Warriors Gate is kind of. Warriors what Gate even is Warriors uh, Gate. I, I really don't like Warriors Gate. Um, but anyway, uh, that and also, of course, you have to, this is the, the, what, what better time to shill out the novel adaptations, but uh, but in a podcast about novels. Um, Talking about the the cat's cradle arc, like I said, we're already adapting it. Um, it the Times Crucible is already cast. We're going to be casting Warhead at the end of the year, sometime in December. Uh, which mark, because we adapted it so short, like we cut down the book a lot to save people the runtime. Um, uh, it's not going to have an open casting call. So if you are interested in being in which mark, um, you know, be sure to audition for any of the other two stories. You know, you may get a role in the. Uh, and one of those that may get you in on the cast. Especially so, for especially for war, especially when you if you audition for Warhead. Um, yeah, Warhead's one. Usually, one the production specific. right before when we do things like this. That's how we did it with Apocalypse for when we were we were looking at Exodus auditions and we're like, all right, we can put you on the on the Apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. So it, it it'll work itself out. So you know, um, yeah. If you if you, I mean, if, you know, I don't think anyone's really adamant about being in the adaptation of Witchmark. So which is which is another reason why I'm like, okay, what would be the point in an open casting call for that? But anyway, um, that's how we'll be casting those. Uh, by the time this comes out, the sneak peek for Time of Your Life will already be out. That's really cool. Um, go check that out. At the time of recording this, I still haven't even decided what the sneak peek scene is going to be. So hopefully, it turned out well. Um, it probably uh, did. I hope so. Well, it's going to be from part one, and I'm, and I'm pretty confident in part one because I'm already done editing that. So, uh, Trailer for Time of Your Life comes out next month, and release the four-part weekly release for Time, Time of Your Life happens in November, and, we're end, and it ends on the 23rd, which is Doctor Who's anniversary. So that'll be really cool. Uh, what else? Anything else? I think that covers everything. Um... um. Obviously, check out more episodes of the Celestial Podcast. If you haven't already, go check out our commentaries, our absolutely vulgar commentaries. They're a disgrace upon man's earth, and uh, you should really listen to them. Uh, (laughs) And what else? Oh, also, um, I totally forgot that by the time this comes out, Security Kitchen Productions will be unveiled and will be totally changed at this point. So uh, leave your thoughts on Security Kitchen Productions if you're okay with the rebrand. If you like the rebrand, leave your thoughts in the comments below. I'm really interested to get more feedback on it at this point. And I think that about covers everything. So thank you so much, Jacob, for coming on. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Even though like I'm the only one you can have for these. This is true. And, um, and thank you all for listening. So I guess until next time, this has been Joey Morgan and I'll see you all in the next episode. Goodbye.